Uh, this morning, Mark, turn to Mark chapter 7. That's all. Uh, I was going to share this with you real quick. I'll say why you're finding Mark chapter 7. Uh, we're talking in Sunday school class. Leon was uh, talking about uh, tithing to church and, and all of this. Uh, we, uh, there was a church in uh, Logan. It was a Holden Community Church. Years ago, Island Creek Coal Company built that church. Uh, they, an Island Creek Coal Company built it for the company men. If you were a union man, you didn't, you didn't go to church there. All right, You went somewhere else. It was for the company people. Uh, and uh, they built the church. The company people were required to be there every Sunday morning. They were required to be there. And the superintendent of the mines withheld 10% from the men's paychecks, uh, the company men. He was withheld, the church tithe, he was withheld 10% from their check uh, every week when they got, they got paid. So they didn't, have a, they didn't have an option whether they wanted to tithe or not. It was, uh, it was something that was automatically taken out of their check. So, the 40, right? the, uh, uh, yeah, probably, maybe even earlier than that. Yeah, yeah, sure was. Uh, and and that one Wednesday, I had a Bible study with uh, some older ladies there on a Wednesday afternoon. And, and, and I mentioned, I, it, was only, it was a very small church, okay? I mean, when we were there, it was just seven or eight people, and that was it. Uh, but the Methodist Church furnished them with a parsonage or with a, with a pastor. So because I was the pastor at Nybert, they were my responsibility. Uh, and I asked them, I said, I, you know, I noticed you never have a visitor. You never have a visitor on Sunday morning. And they said, oh, yeah, we know, we know, we know why. I said, well, why? And they told me about it being the company church. And, and the union people, if they tried to come to church there on Sunday morning, they were met at the door and told by the company people, you probably need to go somewhere else. And that, that church always had the label as the company church. And so that's why they just finally, as the company people dwindled away, the congregation dwindled away to nothing. But uh, that's a good story for our book one of these days, if we ever write it. Okay, Mark chapter 7. I'm going to start at verse, uh, at verse 1. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they came from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observed many other traditions, such as washing, the washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law asked Jesus, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with defiled hands? He replied, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have, uh, you, you have let go of the commandments of God and are holding to human tradition. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commandments of God in order to observe your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses their father and mother is to be put to death. But you say that if one declares what might have been used to help the father and mother is Corban, that is, devoted to God, then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. Thus you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. Again, Jesus called the crowd together and said, Listen to me, 
everyone. And understand this, nothing outside a person can defile them by going into them. Rather, it is what comes out of the person that defiles them. And this is the Word of God for the people of God. Let me ask you a question, and, and you don't need to answer it. You don't need to raise your hand. Just answer it in your own heart, okay? What would you prefer? Let's, let's start with your neighbor. What type of person would you prefer to have as a neighbor? Would you rather have a person who has uh, excellent habits or a good heart? And what about a good friend? Think of, think of one of your good friends. Would you rather have a good friend who has excellent habits or a good heart. And what about your family members? Would you prefer to have family members that have excellent habits or a good heart? You see, well, I'm sorry? You can't find them, okay. <laughs> you see, it, it, it's a great thing to have a neighbor that, that, that cares for their own property while respecting your property. And it's great to have friends who are uh, caring and considerate. And, and it's wonderful to be married to someone who, who is thoughtful and considerate. Uh, just ask Nancy, she'll tell you. Uh, it, uh, don't ask me. Huh? Don't ask, don't ask her. Uh, but as wonderful as all of these things are, uh, none of them compare to someone who has a good heart. Okay? It's it, it just not. When, when you talk about someone's good behavior, you're talking about the quality of that person's self-control. But when you talk about someone's good heart, you're talking about the quality of that person, okay? And, and that's the focus of this passage of Scripture that I, I read to you just a moment ago from Mark chapter 7. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they have come down from Jerusalem and they want to evaluate the ministry of Jesus. Now, you see, they've already made up their mind before they even get there. They've, they've already made up their mind, and what they want to do is they want to look for something that will confirm their opinion of Jesus. And, and what you'll see in this scripture is they will not evaluate Jesus uh, according to the Word of God, but they're going to evaluate him according to their opinion of him. Uh, but they, they were, um, because the disciples, the disciples are about to eat lunch. And the disciples are about to eat lunch with hands that they haven't washed. So the Pharisees pick up on this real quick. They notice that they haven't washed their hands. And they said in verse 5, Why do your disciples live according, do, why do your disciples don't live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands? That's when Jesus says, and I'm just paraphrasing here, this isn't a direct quote, quote, Jesus says in essence, why don't you live according to the, uh, the word of God instead of the tradition of the elders? Now, there's an important message here in this passage of scripture that, that we need to hear this morning because listen, if, if, if you and I, if we're not careful, we can become people that have good habits but a bad heart. And Jesus is warning us to prefer heart over habit. There's a story about uh, Queen Victoria. Many, many, many years ago, uh, she attended this diplomatic reception uh, in London, and the guest of honor was an African chieftain. Uh, everything went well all throughout the meal. 
But then at the end of the meal, they, they put finger bowls in front of every person that, that's sitting around the table. Well, the guest of honor, this African chieftain, he had never seen a British finger bowl in his life. He had no idea what it was. No one took the time to explain to him that it was going to happen. It was going to be there. So he reaches out, he picks it up, and he drinks everything that's in the bowl. Well, all the British royalty that are sitting around, they're gasping. They can't believe that this guy has just done that. And they begin to whisper and they begin to talk. That is until the whispering stopped when Queen Victoria reached out and grabbed her finger bowl and drank it all. Suddenly, 500 British ladies and gentlemen grab their finger bowl and they drink the entire contents. It's against the rule to drink out of the finger bowl, okay? But on this day, Queen Victoria did not want her honored guest to be embarrassed. Now, that is putting, that's, that's, that's love over rules, okay? That's heart over habit. When I read that, and I may have told you this before, but I couldn't keep from thinking about a fellow that went to our church at Mahone Chapel, and we had one of these fellowship dinners. I mean, you know what? I mean, there's so much food, right? Uh, I mean, but that's fine. That's just showing God's blessings on us. And, and, and James, he comes down the line, and everybody's serving themselves, and James comes upon this, uh, this cheese log, all right? Now, I'm, I'm thinking that James, that's probably the first cheese log he's ever seen, if I was guessing. I know him. I knew where he come from. I know how he lived. And he looks at that cheese log, and he gets a knife, and he cuts it right in the middle and puts half of it on his plate. Well, well the ladies that are working in the kitchen, they're standing there watching, and they're about to explode. That's all there is to it. But nobody says anything. But all eyes are on James as he goes back to his table, and he sets that down in front of him, and he, he makes several attempts at eating his cheese log. And then finally, he just kind of slides it to one side, and he said, man, I've, I've had just about all that I can eat, he said. He said, but, you know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. She was there. I mean, I mean, nobody, nobody eats a half of a cheese log. All right, but on that day, the rules were changed because no one wanted to embarrass James. No one wanted to point him out. So, so Jesus, the, uh, you know, it's it's against that. It's against the rules. In Mark chapter seven, the Pharisees say it's against the rules to begin to eat without washing your hands. It's against the rules. But then Jesus said in verse six, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Now let me read that scripture to you again. This time I'm going to read it to you from the message. Okay, listen to listen to the way they word it. These people make a big show of saying the right things, but their heart isn't in it. They act like they're worshiping me, but they don't mean it. They just use it as a cover for teaching whatever suits their fancy, ditching God's command and taking up the latest fad. You see, church, it is possible, it is possible to put on an act and to pretend to be religious or to pretend to be spiritual, but actually be far away from God. Amen? Yeah. It, is. It, it is. It is possible. So, so this, this was exactly the case with these religious leaders on this day. In other words, church, the tradition of the Pharisees had destroyed their compassion for people. When people are in need, what we do is we set aside our man-made rules. 
When people are in need, we set aside our tradition. We set aside our, our way of thinking. Well, we've never done it that way before. We set all of this aside and we act with God's heart of compassion. Now listen, listen to Jesus. These are the words of Jesus starting at verse 9. And he said to them, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and mother, and anyone who curses his father and mother must be put to death. But you say that if a man says to his father and mother, Whatever help I may have otherwise given you is Corban, that is a gift devoted to God then you no longer let them do anything for their father and mother. Thus, you nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many things like that. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they had made a rule, and the rule was called Corban. That was the name of it. Corban is an offering that you have devoted to God. You've dedicated a certain amount of money. Let's just say, for example, let's say... Let's say Jim comes to Leon after church. And Jim says to Leon, Leon, I've got $50,000 I want to give to the church. Now, I'll be giving it to you between now and the end of the year. But this is, I'm, I, want, I want to give this, I want to pledge this money to God. I mean, $50,000. If you're going to dream, dream big, right? Okay. Jim says, $50,000 between now and the end of the year, I'm going to give that to you. Well, the Pharisees say that once you've made that pledge, that money is Corban. That, that, is, that is something you have devoted to God. And that's not a bad thing. Okay? That, that's not a bad thing. But what if an unforeseen tragedy would strike you or a member of your family and you find yourself all at once in financial need? Say your mother and your father have financial needs. What does the Bible say? Exodus chapter 20, verse 12 says, Honor your father and mother so that you may live long in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Paul repeats that passage of Scripture in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 2, Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise. So as the church, the church should expect you to reduce this gift that you promised to the church. They should expect you to reduce it in order to to give financial assistance to your parents. Why? Because what's greater, the commandment of God or a promise that you made to the church? It's the commandment of God, isn't it? The commandment of God is greater, is greater. So the Pharisees are using this man-made rule, this Corban rule that they have to keep people from giving financial assistance to their parents in times of trouble. Church, that's not love. That's law. That's living by the law. That's not living from the heart. That's living under the restrictions or limitations of a habit. My mother, who has been dead for 20 years, was addicted to prescription drugs and vodka. Nancy and I had no idea. We, we, because when she divorced my father... Uh, she separated herself from the family. We, we would go a year at a time and, and not see her. Well, we discovered uh, through my aunt uh, that, that she was in this terrible shape. And I got a phone call one night, and I picked her up, and she, she was so drunk. And I took her to a place called Cares. I don't even know if this place still exists or not. Does it still exist? 
Okay, it was down on the west side, if I'm not mistaken. It's a, it was a drunk tank. They would take you in, they would keep you three or four days, whatever it took to get you sober and back in your right frame of mind. And I sat there that night, and I listened to them ask my mother questions like, have you ever been arrested for drunk driving? Yes, I have. They said, have, have you ever, have, do you drink every day? She said, yes, I do. They said, have you been drunk for days at a time and lost track of time? Yes, I have. Alcohol and drugs had absolutely destroyed her life. So Nancy and I, after she was released from care, Nancy and I made arrangements and we had her put in an alcohol drug uh, treatment clinic in Charleston. And we soon discovered that she was months behind on, on paying her rent, power bill, and, and water bill. She had very little, if any, food in the house. And the clothing that she had in the closet was all ragged and tattered and torn. So while she was in this clinic receiving the treatment that she needed, Nancy and I, we go to her apartment, we clean up, we tear out, we throw away, and we put back together her home. Nancy and I took money that we would have normally given to the church and used it to help her. The church that we attended at that time and the church that she attended at, uh, before found out the problem that we were, and they gave us money in order to help put her life back together. So when she came out of the clinic, all of her bills were paid, she had food in the refrigerator, she had clean clothing to wear, and she had money for a fresh start, okay? Now, under this, 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 this Corbin rule, under the, the Pharisees' tradition of Corbin, we wouldn't have been able to have done that. They wouldn't have allowed us to do that. The church, the, the, the church would have said, you know what, you've devoted that money to God, so you have to give it to God. You can't give it to your mother, and you can't help her. So, but what Jesus is telling us in this scripture here, church, listen now, that if a tradition is standing in the way of doing good deeds for others, maybe we need to examine that tradition. Maybe we need to take a closer look at it because that tradition just might be killing our compassion for people. Now, I know, I think I used this example back a couple of weeks ago. I'm not sure, but there's some people here that, that may not have been here then. When we were in Logan, we, we had a problem. The ministerial association was the greatest ministerial association I've ever been a part of. Absolutely. The close-knit pastors, close-knit churches. But our problem was we'd have people every week that would come in. They want help with a power bill. They want help with a water bill. They, don't, they need food, whatever it is. And what we discovered was they would come to my church, and then after we get, would help them, they would go to the First Baptist Church just down the street. So they were double dipping. So what the Ministerial Association decided what we're going to do is we're going to take all of our money that we normally give to help people and we're going to put it in one account, one bank account. One person's going to be in control of it. We'll have a computer system. We'll help people twice a year. Every six months we can help people. But we need to decide how many, who are we going to help? Well, we couldn't help everybody in Logan County, so we decided we would help those who feed into Logan High School. That's, that's the people that we'll try to help. So I get a phone call one night. The phone rings, and it's a lady, and she says, uh, she, she said, are you pastor of the church in Logan? I said, yeah. She said, uh, we, we have no food in the house. We have no food in the refrigerator. We have no food in the cabinet. We've been two days, and we haven't eaten a thing. And I said, well, ma'am, I said, where do you live? And she said, we live at Hearts Creek. And I said, okay, so the kids at Hearts Creek feed into Chapmanville High School. And she said, yes. And I said, ma'am, I'm sorry. There's not a thing I can do. And I, I said, maybe you can call some of the local churches in your area, and they'll help you. And I hung up the phone. Man, I didn't a bit more let go of that phone. 
that there was conviction struck me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet because I knew I had made a mistake. And I picked that phone back up and I called her. And I said, you know where our church is? She said, yeah, I know, I know, I know where you are. And I said, you meet me there at 6 o'clock. Nancy said, who are these people? I said, I don't know. I have no idea. She said, well, I'm going with you. You're not going by yourself. We went down to the church, poor in the rain, cold, and there is this husband and wife standing in front of our church, soaked to the bone, absolutely soaked. They don't have a raincoat on. They don't have an umbrella. They have nothing. And we get out. I said, come on, let's, let's run into the church real quick. You people are getting soaking wet. And we go out. I said, how would you get here? And they said, we thumbed. Church, if you get in a car and drive from Logan to Hearts Creek, that's 45 minutes. And they thumbed from Hearts Creek to Logan in the pouring rain because they were starved to death. They were starving. So we helped them. Make a long story short, short, we helped them. But what I'm saying is if a tradition is standing in the way of doing good, you need to examine that tradition because that tradition just may be killing our compassion for people. And that's what it's all about, our compassion for people. Jesus, Jesus is warning, don't put, don't put tradition over love. Secondly, Jesus is warning us here in this scripture that, that, that not to look at an outside habit, but look at the inside motive. Now, he said, what, what do you mean by that? Well, just hang in here with me for a second. It, it, it's interesting. When you read this scripture, it's interesting that the Pharisees send a delegation all the way from Jerusalem to Galilee, 60 miles, all right? They send a delegation 60 miles just to look under you. Believe me when I tell you they are not there just to enjoy the local landscape, all right? They're not there on a fact-finding mission, but they're there on a fault-finding mission. They want to destroy Jesus, whatever, whatever it takes. And because they're looking for any reason to discredit him, they jump on the disciples right off the bat because of this religious uh, ruling about, about washing hands. And they consider it to be unclean. Now, I, you know, every one of us here can remember our mothers jumping onto us about coming to the table, right, <laughs> with dirty hands, right? That, but that's not, what this, that, that's not what this is about. You know, I, re- I heard once about a little boy, he come in the house one day and, and he was dirty from head to toe. And his mother said, Brian, can't you find some place to play where there's no dirt? And Brian looked at his mom and said, Mom, you know, if God, if God didn't want us to play in the dirt, why did he make so much of it? <laughs> but mothers have scolded children for years, and that's what, they'll continue to do that, all right? But that's not what this is about. This, this, this practice of hand washing is not for health reasons, but they think it's for religious purity. You see, they believe that the normal activity of everyday life Make someone unclean before God. So what you need to do, you need to pour water over your hand. This is just a religious thing. You just pour water over the hand in order to wash away this sinful corruption. Does that happen? I mean, I mean, I mean can, can outside rituals make us inside saints? Can clean hands make a clean heart? Does sitting in this sanctuary for an hour every Sunday make you a Christian? No. No more than sitting in your garage makes you a 1968 Chevy Camaro, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't. You see, I mean, you can sit here in this sanctuary till Jesus comes. But Jesus told Nicodemus what? You must be born again. 
You must be born again. You see, at some point, <laughs> at some point you have, you have to accept what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross of Calvary. So then Jesus calls the crowd again. He calls them all around. The Pharisees and teachers are all still standing there. He calls them all together and he says this in verse 15. Nothing outside of man can make him unclean but by going into him. Rather, it's what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. You see, dirty hands does not make a dirty heart. It's greed, not grime, that makes us unclean. It's malice, not money. That makes us unclean. It's deceit, not dust, that makes us unclean. You, you, can't, you can't wash away sexual immorality. You can't, you can't do it. You see, God's interested in good hearts, not good habits, but good hearts. Now, let me stop right here just for a second. Just, just, I'm almost, I'll be done here just a moment or two, Okay. But let me stop here just for a second just to say, I am not saying that all religious traditions are a bad thing. I'm not because, trust me, every church has them, all right? Every denomination has their different religious traditions. But tradition should never stand in the way of God's command to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, body, and soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Boy, that's a tough one, isn't it? I mean, I think pretty highly of myself. Yeah. And I'm supposed to love my neighbor as much as I love myself. You know, this morning I asked, I asked Leon if he would read the Apostles' Creed. Uh, that, that, that creed has been recited in churches for 1,900 years, all right? Uh, just a tradition of the church. But does reciting the Apostles' Creed, does that make you holy? No, of course not. What about if you memorize it? Does that make you a saint? Huh? See, Nancy has it memorized, and I don't, and she looks down on me all the time. <laughs> but if your heart, hang it here with me, if your heart earnestly believes the words of the Apostle Creed that Leon read to us and the teachings, then you are holy. If you earnestly believe it with your heart, then you are a saint. Listen, church, you, you can dot every I and you can cross every T. You can perform every, every religious ritual, uh, recite the words to every creed that was ever written. But that doesn't make us clean before God. Religion, if it's good religion, comes from the heart. The, from the mouth, where, where's the, where does the words come from? From the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. So you don't have to be around people very long to see where they stand. From the abundance of the heart, the mouth will speak. Nancy used to give piano lessons. And, and, I, and I remember she had these kids. They would come to the house every week, week after week. She'd give these piano lessons. And some of these kids really struggled. I mean, they, they really did. They, they struggled. And, and the reason they struggled was they really didn't want to play the piano. Mom and Dad wanted them to play the piano, but they really didn't want to. And you could see it. I mean, you could see it in their eyes. They're there, and they're, they haven't practiced, and they're not hitting the right notes. And you can see it in their eyes. They want to be somewhere else. They want to be outside. They want to be with their family and their friends. I mean, their fingers are there, but their hearts really are not, okay? But then again, there were some kids that come in, and, man, you could tell. You could look, and they had shining eyes, all right? 
I mean, they, they would come in and they were there. They had practiced. You, you could tell they were practiced. They're playing the piano just like Nancy had told them. They're holding their fingers just like she had told them. And they're hitting every note with deadly accuracy. You see, they're not just playing with their fingers. They're playing from the heart. So when it comes to your faith, I'm going to end with this. When it comes to your faith, let me ask you a question. Are your hearts here this morning or just your fingers? Did you wake up this morning and say, man, it's Sunday, praise God, I get to go to church. Whew. Love going to church, love singing hymns, love being with my brother and sister. Or did we wake up this morning saying, oh man, it's Sunday, I'd like to sleep in. Just read the newspaper and drink another cup of coffee. Are you here this morning allowing the grace of God to work deep in your heart? Do you have the love of God in your heart, in your mind, your body, and in your soul? Do we really love our neighbors like we're asked to? Because, you, church, let me share this with you real quick. God doesn't care anything about our religious traditions. He really doesn't if it roots out the love of God. He doesn't care anything about it. It's love, not rules. It's love, not tradition. It's heart over habit. Let's pray.